Welcome to this week's Sports Insight Extra podcast for Formula 4 Media in Great Neck, New York. Formula 4 Media publishes vertical trade magazines, Textile Insight, Sports Insight, Footwear Insight, Outdoor Insight, and Sports Style. And it also publishes digital magazines, Sports Insight Extra once a week, Footwear Insight Extra twice monthly, and Textile Insight Extra once a month. Now it's time for this week's podcast. Well, I'm here in New York speaking with Miss Joanna Stahl, the founder of Go to Practice, and we're going to talk about fitness trends and fit- her new company, Go to Practice, as well as fitness uh, trends here as we come out of Thanksgiving weekend. And a lot of Americans are, if they're not in a current fitness regimen, are thinking about one, and also maybe a diet plan as well, given everything they eat over Thanksgiving weekend. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you for having me. First, maybe to give us a little background about yourself. You know how you ended up at Go Go to Practice and what uh-huh. that is. But first, tell me all about yourself and your connection to fitness. So I've been uh, kind of an athlete growing up. And- and then I got into the media space back in right out of college. I was targeting uh, prenatal women and then tobacco and cars and then got into fitness, which was true passion. Um, I built Lifetime Fitness's media division. So back before they were, they went public, they went private. And then I went to Rodale for 24-hour fitness. And all along the way, I've been uh, teaching group fitness classes here in New York for Equinox and Crunch. And so kind of merged the media background where I was selling um, advertising relationships for third-party brands. So I think any company that wanted to access a fitness consumer, so it could be anything from Fisher Price to deodorant to you know Cheerios, snacking or Direct TV inside of the gyms or. So any- needless to say, you've been very close to the fitness consumer for a long time. Uh, well, I am the fitness you consumer. The fitness They're consumer all my well. friends. They are my people. But yes, um, I get to walk the talk and talk the walk all day. Oh, very good. And so I, I then I then started working for Ursa, which is the nonprofit behind the industry. Okay. A lot of the research stats that you know I'll r- rattle off and the things that we all read are from Ursa, and then kind of built go to practice out of a generic need. It sincerely needed to be built and I you know, saw it, I built it, I, I'm growing it now. It's still a baby stealth startup but it's kind of a great space to be in. Oh good, so tell us a little bit about why you started it, you know, what it's all about. So basically I'm just watching the need. Back in 2012 I saw some research stats that said only 2% of gym members were buying other fitness experiences on a monthly basis and I was questioning that number thinking that that does not make sense. Not a snapshot of what I see, see here in New York. And so I started questioning that number and watching it year after year and so that number went from 2% to 6% to 16%. Now it's clearly over 25%. So there's one in four members of a gym that are buying something else on a monthly basis and there's no directory. So if you're you know packing up your gym bag and going to a, a market that you don't know, whether you're a business traveler or just trying to do something new. There's no directory in the space, so we've built Groupon, but we no one ever kind of inclusively. And I'm sorry, do you mean an experience like they go walk to a regular gym and they um, they want to learn cycling or spinning or boxing or something like that, and they don't have that in their gym, so they go somewhere else? I think day pass access, so oh, you know okay. on demand access to gyms. So whether it's a boutique or a martial arts studio or something for your kids, like any fitness experience that's a pay to play experience. I'm not I'm not building things that are you know a field that you can go you know play you're in. Not, well, hi, you're not doing a hike. Or no hiking. Like that. Right. Okay. It's, it's a pay-to-play fitness experience. So okay. there's over 100,000 fitness experiences that I've found currently in the U.S. alone. Okay. And so there are aggregators out there that are kind of offering like discount models and extra inventory and things like that. And I dislike that model completely. And so I kind of built a double-sided marketplace that says we should find everything that's available and let consumers be aware. And so it would be the equivalent of you calling the gym's front desk and saying, hey, I'm in town. Can I work out? So And how would they find out about this through an app or something like so that? So go to practice as a mobile site for now. It will have an app in the future, I'm sure. Kind of stealth 
startup mode, I, I want to be able to change the user experience kind of more nimbly. So okay. it's a lot easier to, to ask people to say, go to practice.com. It's go the number two practice.com. Right, okay. Ironically, Mark Cuban owns practice.com and he won't sell it to me. So if Mark, if you're listening, <laughs> please just yeah, give it to Mark. me. Come on, Mark. We have enough holdings about the same So thing. simple. <laughs> but anyway, so I think an app is important in the future, but right now it's a lot easier to get someone to say, you know, go to a URL and right. it's a mobile enabled site. You can put an app icon right on your phone versus downloading an app and having all the updates and, and that community. Right. And is your idea to try to start at New York first and see how it works before you take it elsewhere or no? No, it's the whole U.S. So basically I built uh, the database is over 100,000 fitness facilities in the U.S. And from a marketing perspective, yes, I am tar- starting a little bit smaller, uh, a little bit more nimbly because it is easier to target consumers regionally versus, right, right. you know, elsewhere. But there's no national fitness brand. So you can kind of say, you know, we've got planets of the world and any times and snap. But, you know, people choose fitness based on proximity first and then price and amenities second and third. Kind of second and third are a little bit interchangeable depending on what type of consumer you are. And so the concept of go to practice is literally just the most inclusive fitness directory on the on the web today. Um, it's already that. And then I can say, hey, you know, a, a brand that wants to target fitness consumers. The information that most fitness consumers want is just to tell them what's available. So instead of doing 10 different Google searches and figuring out what's close and whatever, it's at least the best search directory. And that would even currently. be travelers. They say a businessman, yeah. a woman wants a certain type of a, a hotel office, a spin class or something yep. like that. They'd be able to narrow a search and find something like that. Yeah. So the, the, the future vision is to be able to, to narrow it down as, to as much detail to say, I want a kickboxing class with babysitting near my in-laws house in Texas. Okay. You know, you want, you want to know the activities and amenities and you might want to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I forgot my, my shoes. So what type of workout can I do barefoot or without shoes tomorrow in Vegas? So actually, do you think a service like yours, as you, as you grow it out, will actually help people exercise more? So my initial target is the hardcore fitness consumers, like okay. the cool kids, the fit fiends, the front row people right. that are that are actively searching for other fitness experiences, Okay. possibly because they're traveling and in a different market, okay. but also possibly because they just want to try something new, which is currently over 20 million people wow. just in okay. the US alone. Wow. So we've got 20 million people that spend 20 bucks or more a month just for to access fitness facilities, $400 million on a monthly basis, and wow. there's no directory yet in the space. They have so to that's, do all the searching themselves. You're going to take that out of the equation for them. Keep it simple. So yeah, fitness search made simple is my tagline for now. And then the evolution is really that. So, you know, can I define things a little bit, you know, more detailed? If I know you love running, can I start sending you options for that? I try to model, I, I'm modeling the business a little bit off, off of Seamless right now here okay. in New York. It's, you know, it knows when I'm hungry. The same way I want it to know when you want to work out. So, you know, Tuesday nights, if you keep ordering burritos every Tuesday night, the same way maybe every Monday night you go to a cycling class, wherever you want them on a Monday night, I can say, hey, do you want a cycling class? And then may I ask you, one of our prior conversations when I met you in Baltimore at the yeah. SFIA conference, you mentioned about business person getting off a plane and yeah. getting, a, getting a text or email saying, yep. you know, we know you like cycling and you're going to be at the Bilton or whatever, you're going to be at the Hilton right near your hotel is the cycling yep. gym or whatever. That, that's how it would be. Right. And so the, the opportunity to say, funny, I was brainstorming with an investor and he's like, I will give you access to every account that I have. I'll give you my JetBlue, my Amex, anything you can if you give me the workout that I want to get. And so the curation really is that exciting part, but ultimately it's down to timing, function, and where you are. So if, if I told you to go to a cycling class that was 10 miles away from your hotel, or if I told you the one that's on the corner, which one are you going to go to? And if I want to cut it off what I wanted, I wouldn't go, probably want it like that either. So. Exactly. So I, and I, I, get, I wanted to make it even like a little sexier to say, you know, hey, you follow these 10 Instagram uh, influencers and they're all high intensity interval training type of instructors. Right. So when you show up in New York, I can give you that workout. And you know that from aggregating their information. Yeah, and that's, that's where this can eventually go and get a little bit like much more curated. Okay. We, we actually move on to the next question about the overall fitness industry. Yeah. Where do you hope uh, go to Prac 2020? What do you hope to get that? <laughs> waiting for investment? 
investments or what do you want to do? What's your next step? Yeah, so right now, I mean, hey, I'm, 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 I'm a female founder. This is my first time gig. I'm a hardcore fitness person in the industry. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. Right now, I'm, I'm raising money and it's literally to pour gas on a flame. Trying to raise money in New York and, and anywhere is, is, is a beast of its own, much less, you right. know, I'm going after the 2%, which is a very interesting prospect. So in next year, my goal is to find the right investor and start onboarding gyms one by one, hundreds by hundreds, thousands by thousands. I have partnered with a bunch of industry software already that's already plug and play. So if you're uh, a club that uses one of my four partners, oh, onboarding okay. your actual inventory is super simple. Any any gym can onboard at their disposal will, right now. Gym, one question about the model. Will gyms sure. to be part of your um, database, do they have to pay to be listed? No. So uh, the 100,000 gyms that are currently on the database are listed for free. Uh, they can take over their listing for free. They can offer transactions for free. It's just a different percentage of a rev share that I share. They can join as a member, which is a yearly membership fee. They keep a much higher percentage of the revenue per transaction, and there's some marketing features built into and that. And the idea also of your app, besides helping the consumer, you can help the gym drive traffic into yeah. their gym. I'm, I'm literally an aggregator, so I can now go partner with healthcare companies, with brands that care about fitness consumers, and say, hey, you know, we've got X number of million people that are just bought X, and how do I drive that? But not, I'm trying to not give too many of my partnership ideas away. Oh, nice. so, Joanna, next, let's talk about your, uh, your viewpoint on the fitness industry today. You've been in it for over 20 years, yeah. 20 years here. You're 19. Here in New- 19, and you've been here in New York, uh, I would call a mecca of, of, of fit people, I would say. We are compared to much of America. So tell, tell me about you know what, you, what your current viewpoint is on the fitness industry. So I, I have a unique insight because I think I am, I, I recognize the New York mentality, but I also represent brands that kind of have been across the whole US. So very US specific. So I think the industry is booming. I mean, we're growing. I mean, big box gyms are opening more and more and they're doing really well. The boutique models like booming and crushing it. I think there's still like 70% growth. I think the interesting part is on the real estate space because again, location is the most important piece. We've got, you know, such a big boom across the whole industry and connected fitness and brands making like huge investments on the on the business side and we've got constant innovation so I, I get to see everything you know Ursa is a great hub on a yearly right. basis going to the show but you just get to see all the different products and services that are coming out and a lot of them are tech enabled um, and a lot of them are just trying to get consumers to stay engaged and and the reality is, is I think some people think that the fitness industry is kind of like just join and never show up but no one believes that <laughs> and we all want you there and if we don't want you there we want you to go to the next place to me it's how many more times can I get you into a gym or staying engaged with fitness throughout your day? Specifics about the fitness industry today. Now let's first address the, I guess, the elephant in the room, <laughs> the, 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 the Peloton phenomenon. They recently went public. They raised, they have a great value, a huge valuation. They mm-hmm. just had their first quarterly earnings, which did they lose money? We won't go into the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel about that model? Do you think consumers will abandon gyms and personal trainers to do all their training at home? I definitely do not believe that. But I, you know, back when I was at 24 Hour Fitness, I, we used to say there was, a, in every deck I think I saw was kind of like, there's 24 hours a day in a day, seven days in a week. We hope to see people inside of a gym a few times a week. Let's just say the national average is one to two times a week. So let's just say we've got the cool kids that are showing up three, four times a week. What else they do the rest of their week is is their time and their space. And, we, and I think every gym owner and operator and, and uh, facilities wants to be engaged in that future you know, on a weekly basis but so the idea of Peloton to me the revolutionizing the at home fitness market not the in gym fitness market I don't think it's gonna make a dent in what happens inside of a gym I do think it'll make a dent what happens inside of hotels and what happens inside of your home in your basement in your you know with your friends but to me I'm supportive of almost every fitness so you think it's a separate segment of the overall fitness yeah. spectrum I don't think it's touching the when I say fitness market it, I, I mean like the gym market. 
gym market. Okay, great. And uh, so, you, so you think this obviously a future for personal trainers and for gyms? <laughs> so you know, the funny so personal training is an interesting beast. When you, you mentioned it, so you know, I think the average is um, most fitness consumers don't touch personal training. I think it's like a six percent across okay. the whole U.S. So the numbers are pretty small. I think small group training is getting bigger and bigger. I do think personal training might have more legs in the future as more and more people get uh, lonely and want to commit to something and commit to another human to meet there. So I think that that's a little bit of the boutique space, okay. kind of touching what what personal training is. But I, I think that when you talk about Peloton, and, and we're saying Peloton is a very broad word. To me, when you say Peloton, you're kind of saying like the at-home, connected media. Right, and I might experience. add that many other companies who make fitness yeah. equipment are, are now doing connected products, exactly. whether it be Icon Health and Fitness or Bowflex, the parent of Bowflex, which is Nautilus. They're yeah. all doing these connected and products. And Tonal and Mirror and right. Stages, and they're all doing it. Right. I mean, so, you know, to me, you know, there, there's, there's the whole market of at-home equipment, like the TRXs of the world, okay. that had an app which with, with awesome content built in and they've you know we've got the nike training club you know where right, we got right. the whatever map my run map my fitness yeah. my fitness Under Armour has one yeah Adidas has this right so okay. all about the content play i think the content play is, is amazing and it's always been out there i think the difference is, is kind of connecting that with a real life real-time live experience and so the example i have in the past used was you know if you quit your membership because you are you know you just had a baby or you just switched jobs or you moved to a new home or whatever and you you're trying to figure out how to put fitness back into your life you probably would have you're you're one of the people that quit your gym membership and so if peloton or tonal or mirror or if someone keeps you connected for that year while you otherwise wouldn't have gone to the gym fantastic i think that same consumer would have bought a treadmill would have bought the dvds would have found an app that they like and so now we've just got you know big big buzz right going on and even the price points i mean i've seen some really awesome at home you know equipment that are at the same price points that peloton is and so let's turn a little bit about i want to talk about the different groups uh demographics within fitness yeah the, the AG baby boomer said who has disposable income that's getting if they haven't retired already are getting close to retirement yep. and then we have the millennials and we have the Gen Zers but, talk about the split and how they how you think they see fitness different yeah the, I mean and I do think that's that's kind of one of the interesting parts about big box gyms so and, and I say big box gyms meaning in multi multi-purpose gyms because you you basically have all of these different uh, demographics working out together in the same environment and I read an article the other day that it was basically saying like stop treating you know the 30 people that take your group fitness class and, and only caring about them or the 30 people that do your boutique you know you know yoga class and only caring about them so big box gyms should just look at it and saying I've got a hundred thirty people and oh, so you know instead like realizing that these subsets are there so whether it's specific programming which I think is definitely key so like the same workout that I don't even want to say boomers or, or, or do you see the same programming do you see a certain kind of class having a different times for different demographic groups like you know working yeah. moms or a new moms for one was one session of the same class that would be for somebody so else. I think the interesting part so think about the time of day so you know who's working out at 9 a.m. well in my gym it's like moms just sent the kids to school yep. firefighters are off policemen who are off right. from work they're and, working and, 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 and college kids sometimes don't have class right and the people who are the you know 3 p.m.ers so I feel like we've already segmented ourselves based yeah, on our true. time of day yeah, yeah. Um, which is what big you know most most gyms do but you know that Monday night 6 p.m. workout it would be pretty rare to get a new, new mom. If you're retired, why are you going to the gym at the highest time of the day? You're, right. you're not. You're probably no, going to go to the gym at like between you know 10 and 12, or from like two to four. So I think I think that we've almost like self-created those, those oh, segmentations. Um, I do think that there is some new content out there for boomers and millennials. Uh, I'm just going to separate the word yeah, boomer and millennial, meaning okay, like the fine. age of the spectrum, right? Right. So, fine. 
above 35 and below 35. Fine, we can't okay. even talk about that. I think the still the average age of fitness consumers is still around 35, 36 years old. Okay. I think that the interesting part is more around millennials and the younger demographics because there's very few places now for young people to congregate. Yeah, mall, they're not no. going to the mall. They're not going to the movies. They're not going they're grocery shopping. They're not going to Blockbuster. Yeah, they're not even. They're not shopping. Yeah. So the gym is one of the places that they can go and socialize and com community. We, we go to we go to concerts. We go to movies. Sometimes we go to bars. We go to restaurants. We go to the gym. Right. Um, but, you know, there's we go for walks. We, we do events. There's a lot of things to do. I'm not trying to minimize the you know concept of events, but I think the social community of what millennials are looking for uh, is something that fitness can really participate in in a bigger way. The same way I do believe the same thing fits for boomers. I mean, that sense of community when you, you are. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You think that's something that fitness companies, whether they make whether they make accessories or they make a fitness equipment, so they can capitalize on a marketing point of view better than they're doing now? Give me an example. Just like you know, using the and marketing their fitness product, whether it's an accessory, a fitness towel, whatever. Oh. Uh, marketing around the social aspect of working out. I think that there's some programming that's that's marketing that, um, and there's also there's also some programming that's doing short mini workouts that are targeted at millennials that just want to follow Instagram followers and like make it more of a social experience. Okay. Products and services for sure. I mean, I think that there's you know the wave of the fitness consumer and like what they're wearing and what they're doing inside of the gym. I think some of the cool. I'm trying to think of some of the cool like new like class equipment. You know, like what's coming out and like. I, I mean, mean, everyone has a bike now with a screen on it. Oh, I'm connect. thinking cooler stuff than that. I'm, oh, I'm, you I, are? You know, okay. I was thinking TRX. Just oh, TRX. Then, but, okay. But but you know, there's these uh, there's these shoes. I think they're called Kangaroo. Oh, and, the brand Kangaroo. Okay, I know I the think, brand. They originally were they're very high. They're very high above the ankle. I think we're thinking they almost look like rollerblades with a bounce. So instead of so like you know things like that pop up. Or there was you know there's the you know a new class called Pound and it's not even new anymore. But it, it's literally t taking drumsticks and creating a workout doing it. There's just a a lot of new programming that I think appeals to a younger audience or an older audience. So I do think that products and services definitely fit these demographics. And you would say a lot of that programming is, emanates here in New York. I mean, people create it here in New York. I mean, you say that? that is the New York mentality. I do think that New Yorkers tend to be a really good um, test market. I mean, I, I think that a lot of things start here. It's kind of like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Okay. And so if it, if it booms here, we've we've got enough people and the uh, rotation of humans into doors. Sure. And so you can get a little bit of everything. So I think that if it, if it does work here in New York, you can you can drop it in LA and think it is probably going to be successful as well or vice versa. I, I think New York, I'm just going to say that perhaps we have a little bit of a bigger advantage of the fitness market, but I definitely think other markets can easily do the same thing. And so our last question today, Joanne, I just want to ask what you're seeing for trends in your point of view and trends in fitness, whether it be equipment or different kind of classes that are going on now or programming, as you just mentioned, that you see going on now, uh, uh, machinery that we might yeah, fitness yeah. equipment or accessories that we might see emerging even bigger in the next couple of years here. So, I, so one, the obvious one is, is just being connected and the apps attached to it so you know I teach for Equinox and you know at the end of your workout you get a recap report and so oh. that report is super awesome and it tells you like it shows you your little chart gives you like a congratulations and like you hit your wattage or you hit your calories or whatever so I think that that connected you know post-workout response there's a company called MyZone that does a really good job of that as well so that's across any fitness regimen but that's something that you know Orange Theory is you know crushed it with that in the very beginning modalities that I you know we're obviously seeing growing popping up all over the place whether it's studios and I think that that's an interesting I mean, I, I should say that I wrote crew in college, so I have a special place in my heart for it. You can say that. I do think that <laughs> boxing is interesting. That boxing keeps, it feels like, is making a comeback. You know, there's so many boxing studios and
and boxing modalities inside of the gym. And I remember, I remember kind of compartmentalizing group fitness into five categories back in the day, and boxing was one of them back then. And so it's almost being revitalized, which I think is cool. It's interesting. It was about that comment. You and I both saw George Foreman the third yeah. at the SMA conference, and yeah. he talked about the boxing, the, old, the boxing gym of old was this dirty old rundown yeah. place, and it's not like that anymore. Well, I mean, but think about. I used to take kickboxing classes. I mean, it's a lot of shadow boxing, and I mean that. The actual workout has been around for forever right. in, inside of gym, and so yes, the, the dirty grip boxing. But there's there's so many boxing studios. I mean, Rumble's obviously huge here in New York and has expanded across the U.S. And they're super cool and trendy and fun. But then there's grip boxing that like put a bar into it. There's just a lot of box studios. So I think the big box gyms and and boutiques are doing the same thing with boxing, which is interesting. And, and when I say boxing, I kind of mean almost every MMA style. Right. Okay. Um, and then the last thing which I've noticed um, more and more is like the concept of stretching and just wellness overall. So when you okay. say stretch I don't really think of putting like stretching as a focus inside of the gym but it is more and more and not only is it inside the gym but it's now being offered inside of massage studios okay. and being inside of like and their see, own studio you see this being a word to both the youngest millennial and the baby boy I do yeah stretching I mean I just the concept of like making making sure that you're taking care of your body and understanding it better and, and doing the right thing for it I mean the number of rad rollers and the theraguns and the hyperices which okay. are just like machinery to say your muscles need to be taken care of you can't just crush it at the gym and then like go to the bar and then expect your body to just sustain life <laughs> right, for right. 50 years. Well, two other things I want to touch on that. Yeah. Two other things I want to see whether they have legs now. CrossFit yep. and body pump. Are, uh, they, are, they, are they alive and well? Are they dying out? So, they... well, you're, you're talking my language. So, so body pump is owned by Les Mills. So right. the concept of Les Mills is a global phenomenon. Yeah, I do. In Australia, I believe. Uh, New well, Zealand. New Zealand, right? Yeah, and so, um, you know, I've been working with Les Mills and, and kind of aware of them for a really long time. They, they have not crushed the New York market. I, you know, no one here in New York knows Les Mills, so they don't really know body okay. pump. I, I shouldn't say no one, but it's it's. Well, they try. I, mean, I live in Massachusetts. They tried yeah. my gym for a while, but they it started fading out, and they just you know replaced it with they replaced it with pickleball, I think, or something. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I want to play pickleball. <laughs> um, so I think when you say like a body pump, so body pump is the, the concept. Right. Um, so Les Mills, very right. similar to like a Zumba, where right. where it's it's formatted programming that is replicable across any modality. So what's cool about Les Mills, they, they got a sponsorship with Reebok and they, they're training like a ton of trainers. The amount of trainers that are connected to Les Mills is huge around the world. So it might be a different um, different Les Mills uh, program rather than body pump. It might right. be something else. Okay. So I, I do think that they um, do have a pretty good foothold on the market, but I think that, yeah, I think more and more people are looking for what's new versus what is comfortable. I so see. like, okay. you know, body pump, everyone knows what they're getting when they walk in, right. but it, they know it's a badass, great workout. Right. So I think that there's interesting there too. What was the other one you asked uh, me about? CrossFit. CrossFit. <laughs> of course, CrossFit. So, you know, CrossFit's not going anywhere. Okay. It's a bona fide segment of the overall market. I think CrossFit can be lumped in with any uh, lifting modality. Okay. Um, I think that CrossFit is now very similar to the concept of like Aries Bootcamp or Orange Theory. So I think it's very similar. Consumers though, that are diehard CrossFitters, have maybe abandoned CrossFit a little bit and found other modalities that they are equally excited about. So CrossFit might be just one part of their overall. Um, no, no, no. If you, I believe completely abandoned. You think? I believe. I believe CrossFitters are diehard CrossFitters. I feel like they possibly got injured and then have abandoned CrossFit oh, I see. because of injury okay. and now have kind of found another home. You know what? They're not going anywhere. They're dead. Right, the they're amazing. I, I love the energy. Look, I don't. I don't do CrossFit. I don't do Zumba. Both of those groups of people are amazing to me. I just uh, it doesn't work for me. But I see how excited they are about it. Anything that motivates you to work out, you should do.
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Joanna. I've been speaking with jo Miss Joanna Stahl, the founder and CEO of Go to Practice here in New York, about fitness trends, everything going on at fitness here as we come out of Thanksgiving weekend and head into 2020. And you've been listening to the Sports Inside Extra podcast. I'm Bob McGee.